Welcome to Sun Devil Saturday, brought to you by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Gila River bleeds maroon and gold and is Arizona's official sports headquarters. Now here are your hosts, Jeff Munn and Sean Crespin. Ah, we get ever closer to the start of Sun Devil Football 2020. And it's week three of our four-week series of Sun Devil Saturday shows. And hello again, along with Sean Crespin, Jeff Munn. And uh, I'll tell you, among other things, Sean, today we do this show today on a day when the ASU football team is holding a practice and a scrimmage of sorts inside Sun Devil Stadium. If that doesn't tell you we're getting close, I don't know what does. Money, I have it pulled up right in front of me, as a matter of fact. 13 days, 10 hours, 59 minutes until Whoa. November 7th. So Whoa. that's how far away we are. 13 days, 10 hours, 59 minutes. At that point, the clock turns to November 7th, and it's game day, baby. Can you now, believe that? Now, Not did far you, away. Did you set up that clock yourself, or is there some website that has a countdown clock? Yeah, there's, this, there's an amazing thing, Money. I've had to teach you a lot about technology over the years, Uh-oh. but uh, this thing called Google, right? <laughs> so you just type in a date on Google, and you ask it how many days until, and then boom, uh, it just pops right up. I don't know anything about that stuff, uh, <laughs> obviously. But uh, anyhow, we are. We're closing in on it. November 7th, 9 a.m., 10 a.m. here in this part of the world, uh, which means a 7.30 a.m. pregame show to lead us up to kickoff between Arizona State and USC. And man, do we have a loaded guest list today. And I know there's one guy in particular you're pretty excited to talk to, and that's the uh, associate senior associate commissioner of the Pac-12. He's in charge of football operations, and he played a little bit in the NFL, Merton Hanks. And I know you're anxious to talk to him for a variety of reasons. Yeah, you know, we had an opportunity to catch up with him uh, on the Anderson Healy show earlier in the week as well. First of all, he's a tremendous guy, uh, and, and and what he's going to bring to the conference, I think uh, everybody's pretty excited about going forward. But, yeah, so I grew up in a family of a handful of 49er fans because, you know, the Cardinals didn't get here until 88, so a lot of people had their, their allegiances already, you know. And uh, very big Merton Hanks fans, and the duck walk after the interception – Money? You, yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I got to find out, before we get to any of this game cancellation policies and scheduling, and all, we got to find out how that even started, because <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, that's question see, number one with Merton Hanks money. You see, when you tune in Sun Devil Saturday, this is the information <laughs> that you get that you don't get anywhere else. We're going to yeah, find no. out about the duck walk. Uh, <laughs> our other guest, I don't know how we follow that, but we will try with uh, Churston Suzell from 12 Sports who, by the way, is an ASU alum. It's always great to have alums on the program. But I wanted to have Churston on for a couple of reasons. Uh, and I, and I, I'm a little careful about this, Sean, because we don't, we don't get into the excuse-making business. But for those of us in the media, this has been, we've had our own challenges with dealing with no games. And then once you get to playing, there are certain restrictions that, uh, obviously, that a lot of us have not confronted before. So I thought we'd get Churston on She's always been such a great guest on our pregame shows to talk about that, and she covers the high schools a lot. And obviously the the importance, and I say this all the time, the importance of Arizona high school football just continues to grow and grow as this community grows, Sean. The high schools have become a real hotbed for top football talent for Division One colleges. Yeah, you know, money. money there's not a lot of uh, you know, natives out here like you and I, right, who have right. lived here as long as we have. And the high school scene, even in my life, has grown significantly out here. Heck, last night I'm watching Saguaro and Hamilton on ESPN two. Yeah, you know, and they're talking about all the different uh, talent that's on the field and and uh, throughout Arizona. And they kept bringing that up that Arizona's becoming a hotbed of uh, of talent in major college football. On my TV right now. 
now in the office here at my house in Gilbert. I'm watching Iowa State and Oklahoma State, quarterback by who at Iowa State. You know, you're talking looking at a local quarterback in Purdy who who right. uh, is making a big yeah, making a big scene uh, or make big impact, I should say, on the scene of college football. So there's a lot of talent coming out of Arizona, and I, I know Cheerston covers high school football and was doing so last night as well. So we can get into that with her. And you know, you're right. A lot of the hurdles, man, that people don't realize. You know, for us radio folks, it's easy. I set up oh, a yeah. connection here in my office. I put a headset on, and I'm talking to you like we're in the same studio. Right. Not necessarily the same for the TV folks. I'll be interested to see what kind of hurdles that she's had to get through uh, to, to continue to do a tremendous job covering sports in Arizona. Tim Healy and Jeff Van Rapphorst, as they do each week, will join us for a couple segments. Our first segment, we're going to look back at that terrific game against Oregon last year, uh, which was just, I, I you always say in a big game like that, especially at Sun Devil Stadium, you wish you could be there. I, I cannot imagine what that atmosphere must have been like that night because ASU was in control of that game, if I remember correctly, most of the way. There was a little, I guess, early in the first half, it was pretty even. But there was never a moment to me, Sean, where, and Oregon obviously was in a position where they were closing in on at least knocking on the door for the college football playoff. Yeah. And it never seemed to me like ASU was in tremendous danger of losing that game. Yeah, there was a moment late. So if you remember right, ASU had a big lead, 24-7, to with about eight minutes left in the football game. And then all of a sudden, Johnny Johnson starts making these big plays, right? I mean, Oregon right. had a yeah. had a three-play drive that took less than a minute. And your 24-7 lead, all of a sudden, it's down to three. And you had a third and 16 in your own territory. And that's when the deep ball to Brandon Ayuk down the left sideline on third and 16. He got behind the coverage and uh, had, just made a tremendous play on the football and took it to the house. And ASU, you know, regained that two that two possession lead and they were able to hold on. But it was dicey late money. That that game was it felt good throughout. Maybe the best defensive performance up until that eight minute mark of the fourth quarter of the mm-hmm. season. You know, you're going against Justin Herbert, who's had a nice start to his NFL career. But in that game, didn't really look the part. You know, he had a couple of bad picks. He was airmailing a couple of balls, had some wide open targets, and just missed them. But all of a sudden, that eight minute mark of the fourth quarter hit, and you're up twenty four to seven, and that game changed instantly. Yeah, instantly. I do remember. So, you're right. It did get dicey late. I mean, it was twenty four twenty one with just under four minutes left before that big play to Ayuk. So, yeah, and we'll relive that. And and Tim and Rapper, uh, you'll hear the the uh, the highlights a little bit later on in the show. They were as much into the into the mood and the energy in that stadium as anybody buddy sitting in the stands, and you'll hear it. The other thing they'll talk about, and I think it's a subject uh, we've touched on a little bit the first couple of weeks of this show, and I think we need to do a, a deeper dive into, is the fact that we're going to be playing games, it looks like, uh, for the most part, if not the entire season, in front of empty stadiums. And it is, I, I really want to hear from Rapper on this as a former player, it does kind of play into your emotions in terms of, in the course of the game, your energy level, if there is no noise. And I, you know, there are a lot of things that are going on this year in college football that are a little unusual, high scores, a lot of turnovers. Some of it can be due to conditioning, Sean, but I think some of it too is just a lack of energy in the stadium. I would agree with that. And you hear a lot of coaches, and I know, you know, Coach Edwards earlier in the week, and I think we'll, we'll get into this later in the program as well. Just he talked about who he reached out to, a lot of the pro coaches that he still talks to and communicates with and got their feedback some of the coaches in college football that have been already playing games and got their feedback and uh it's a lot of them just say you have to 
find a way to create your own energy on that sideline. And that yeah. can't be an easy thing to do, right? Especially if you fall down early. You know, if things aren't going your way and you got to somehow manufacture that energy on the sideline, that can't be an easy thing to do. So, you know, there's a handful of things to get over, hurdles to get over. You know, we talked last week about how you're on the road and you can use, you know, hard counts to get the home team to jump off sides. Like, that's not a thing normally. You know what I mean? No. So, that's not a thing. Uh, but the good thing with college football, maybe, is a lot of the checks at the line of scrimmage come from the sideline you know you're you yeah. see all the heads look to the sidelines so you're not throwing a lot of audibles and a lot of verbiage out there that maybe a defense can pick up on but there's a lot of different things that could really be playing into uh, some of the outcomes we've seen simply because the energy's not there and the fans aren't in the building lastly a uh, couple other guests that will come on and uh one of them being the uh, head coach of asu women's basketball charlie turner thorne i always get a little nervous when uh, my boss is on, uh, <laughs> you and, can do and it, trust money. me. And trust me, there are people who sign my checks at ASU, but Charlie's the boss, <laughs> and she will be on. We have some exciting news. Not only, I'm sure everybody knows by now that uh, Phoenix, Arizona State, landed the uh, the host spot for the 2026 NCAA Women's Final Four, but this year's ASU team has a potential to be really special because of a lot of great new players coming into this program, and we'll discuss that with Charlie. And we have a fan that's going to come on. We've done this in the past. We have a, a fan come on and talk about their experience uh, being an ASU fan. And this week, we're going to introduce you to a gentleman that's not only a fan, he's a former student-athlete, and he is uh, children who are student-athletes. So it's a great story, and uh, we're anxious to share it with you. But after a break, we're going to get down. This is the, We're going to break news here. We're going to find out the origins of the duck walk. <laughs> Sean has been Sean didn't sleep last night no. because he was laying awake just he wanted this he's been waiting for this segment all day. He wants to talk. You want to talk to Merton Hanks. Yeah, I got to figure out what where that where that came I, I was I was hoping Tim would ask the question on Tuesday when we had him on the Anderson Healy show. It didn't make the cut. So well, I'm going to have to do it here on it's Sunday. It's making the, it's making the cut today. So Merton Hanks, the uh, senior associate commissioner of the Pac-12 for football operations joins us after this break on Sun Devil Saturday here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. You're listening to Sun Devil Saturday. Now back to our hosts, Jeff Munn and Sean Crespin. This portion of Sun Devil Saturday brought to you by Circle K. Circle K says, take it easy. And Forks Up, along with Sean Crespin, Jeff Munn. And it is uh, two weeks to go till we start playing Pac-12 football. And the gentleman who uh, is a very familiar name in football circles is now overseeing football operations in the Pac-12. He is the new senior associate commissioner of the Pac-12 for football operations, a post that was created for him. And we welcome to this program Merton Hanks. Merton, Jeff Munn, and Sean Crespin, thanks for taking time to join us today. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, now, Sean wants to ask you some very serious questions, Merton, and I'm going to let him take over and because he's been wondering about something since you were on with uh, Tim Healy and Ray Anderson the other night. Yeah, you know, Merton, we did, that show, we did that show on Tuesday. Yeah, we did that show on Tuesday, and we appreciate you joining us. But I grew up here in the Valley with uh, before you know, before the Cardinals were here in 88, and I grew up in a family with a bunch of 49er fans. And uh, my older brother was a big fan of yours, and primarily the, the, the duck walk after the interceptions that used to uh, used to happen on the field. I got to know the origin of that. How did that come about? Because he used to try and imitate it out in our you know our pickup games out front or in the backyard. So I got, where did that come from? How did that come about after your interceptions? 
Uh, ironically, uh, watching Bert and Ernie on Sesame Street with my my girls, we would play around with the movements, and and then it, it found its way onto uh, uh, the practice field. We'd play around with it, and they, you know, we'd make a decent play, and and then before long, it, it popped up in the game. So that was basically the genesis. Just watching Bert and Ernie with my then very young daughters, and <laughs> they giggling at uh, uh, the movements of the puppets, and and uh, kind of took off from there. I love that. You can't go wrong with Sesame Street. No. You know, you just can't. Martin, I, I wanted to give you a chance to explain to our fans. I think this is a tremendous uh, addition by the Pac-12 because, in my view, each of the sports that the conference, is, the conference offers, it's always good to have somebody in charge who, who really is involved and is dialed into what the sport's all about. And that's really how this position uh, was created, right? Well, well, it, it, my good friend Woody Dixon, as you know, uh, really had a, a, a significant portfolio. Not only did he oversee the football operations aspect of, of, of Pac-12 uh, sports, but also the legal uh, um, um, area as well. So he, he had a lot on his plate. Uh, the Commissioner Scott, uh, along with certainly uh, athletic directors, really – wanted to redefine the position and allow the position to uh, pay particular attention uh, to football. And so it, it made a lot of sense to do that, especially in our day and age where uh, uh, football is such a, a significant driver for everything we do on the collegiate level. And, and uh, so they, they, they really carved that role up and, and allowed me to focus in on the football aspect of Pac-12 uh, conference. You know, Merton, this week uh, the Pac-12 released the game cancellation policies and, and you know, the, the minimum players that need to be available, the 53 scholarship players, the seven offensive linemen, the one healthy quarterback, four defensive linemen. Uh, how were those numbers determined? And, and what, were, what were some of the thinking behind the emphasis on those specific positions as a need in order to field a football team this year? Well, well, as you know, in the Pac-12 conference, everything we do starts with player health and safety first and foremost. And so when you you sit down and and, and uh, you, you try to figure out what you truly need uh, to protect our young athletes. Uh, you know, you want to have a at least go into the game with certainly healthy bodies on really on both sides of the offensive and defensive lines. As you can imagine, our our our, our head coaches want to protect the quarterback position. Uh, even Coach Edwards, old defense back, understood the value of protecting that quarterback position. So, so we, we certainly want to call that position out as well. Uh, uh, but the line was really the, the the really important thing in regard to the health and safety. You you just you can't uh, imagine, or maybe you can imagine, trying to go into a game and, and not having adequate linemen on both sides of the ball. Not only is that a a, a inequity as far as what you have available uh, on a, from a team standpoint, but it, it certainly can be construed as a health and safety issue. You, you get in that, that quarterback, that running back, uh, basically uh, uh, hung out to be hit early and often. That's, sure. that's probably not uh, a fair way to go into a game. So we, we wanted to attack it that way. And then at the same time, uh, give flexibility to the individual institutions that, hey, uh, we may even fall below these numbers in one area or another, but we think we've got enough great athletes. We think we can uh, cover ourselves for this game, and, and in consultation with the commissioner, they'll be able to move forward with the game 
uh, under those conditions. Pac-12 Senior Associate Commissioner for Football Operations, Merton Hanks, joining us here on Sun Devil Saturday. And, you know, Merton, this might be me looking too deeply into some of the language that was in that game cancellation policy, but I did see the word rescheduled used a few times. And when you look at the overall calendar, it looks kind of tight. Is rescheduling games a realistic possibility for the Pac-12 if a school has, you know, unable to reach those guidelines we just talked about, could, could games be rescheduled, or is the calendar just simply too tight? Well, I think uh, I think it, rescheduling language allows us, uh, you know, when you think rescheduling, you usually think moving whole weeks. It may be a situation where, uh, say, uh, ASU was scheduled to play on a Friday, and we may have to push them back to a Saturday. Uh, or Sunday just to buy that extra day. So we, we certainly want to keep that language in there. But you are correct. We don't have bye weeks. Uh, you, you know, if we get in a situation where we need to take more than a couple of days uh, um, as far as pushing a game around, uh, we would be, quite frankly, in a difficult spot. There is some conversation that we may be able to potentially uh, um, um, replay games, <coughs> excuse me, in week seven. Uh, uh, but based on uh, the language that I'm going to put forward to our athletic director group in regard to potential schedules there, that may be difficult as well. But we did want to at least have some language if we need to move a game, you know, a couple of days, a day, maybe two days, that type of thing. Burton Hanks, Senior Associate Commissioner for the Pac-12 for football operations with us. And we were talking about scheduling. There is one aspect of the schedule that I think caught everybody's attention when it was released. And not only is it the fact that Arizona State and USC, who are considered to be the two favorites in the Pac-12 South, will open against each other, but it will be a morning kickoff. And uh, from what I gather, there is there is a, a purpose to scheduling it that way, right? Well, we, we, we had really two unique opportunities. This is the first time that we'd have a 9 a.m. Uh, kick on, on Big Noon on Fox. As you can imagine, because we are uh, the last Autonomy 5 conference uh, to get going, we really wanted to come out you know, with a compelling matchup. Uh, uh, kudos, quite frankly, to USC and ASU for stepping up to the plate. Under normal circumstances, I dare say it would have been very difficult to make this game this early, given where those two teams are uh, uh, in their uh, in their development going into the season. We we all understand that that they, uh, based on what they have coming back and and, and predictions moving forward, uh, can be in the running for for the division championship. We obviously try not to have those games so early, uh, uh, but given our truncated schedule, our truncated calendar and the opportunity we have with Fox, and again, coming big noon, the entirety of the nation watching uh, two of the best the Pac-12 conference has to offer right out the chute uh, is an opportunity that we simply couldn't pass up. So uh, I applaud uh, Coach Edwards, um, Ray Anderson stepping up once again, uh, along with our friends at USC, to help get this deal done. And Merton, one of the things you pointed out on on, uh, our Tuesday conversation... (laughs) Uh, was uh, you know it's it, when you have a game of that magnitude early, you just mentioned it again. You don't you don't necessarily it's not a perfect situation, but it does allow one of those schools, whoever comes up a little bit short, to make maybe make up for it over the course of the next six games. But I'm just curious when you are putting together a schedule, w- what kind of things do you take into consideration? You know, are are you are you looking at you know how things line up for each individual team? I'm assuming it's not as simple as just you know us us here in the media putting together our fantasy football schedule with our buddies. Like <laughs> there's there's got to be a lot of factors. 
factors involved. So uh, what all goes into putting together a schedule of that magnitude? Well, well I tell you, it really was uh, very difficult. As you well know, this is the third schedule that the Pac-12 conference has, has put forward as far as football yeah. in, in this calendar year. Uh, we really had to work with our television partners, have to work first and foremost, certainly, uh, uh, with our, our CEO, medical advisory groups, uh, uh, athletic directors, uh, uh, just to make sure that we, number one, make sure we can protect our student-athletes. Uh, do we have enough calendar to get them ready to go? Thus, uh, we went with, you know, the six-week-plus model just to get our student-athletes time with their coaches to be in, as in shape as possible, ready to go. Uh, and then secondly, uh, certainly putting together uh, matchups that will allow the majority of our conference uh, not to be put in a bad position. Uh, you, you'd be amazed that uh, you look at some of our, our friends' uh, uh, schedules and uh, magically um, two or three schools are, are really taken care of and, and the rest are kind of hung out the dry, so to speak, from a scheduling standpoint. So we want to be as equitable and as fair as possible to all of our institutions, had some, you know, some relatively uh, big games, certainly perceived as big games early, some scattered in the middle, and then some late in the calendar uh, for our fans to have a nice full schedule uh, uh, throughout the year. Well, Merton, as, as I said at the beginning, it's a tremendous addition to the conference to have someone of your stature join uh, the administration of the Pac-12 in the position that you're in. And we are very grateful to not only have you as part of the Pac-12, but we're, Sean and I are very grateful that you had time to join us here today on the show. We wish you the best. And uh, it's a heck of a way to break in, considering the circumstances. But I know that you're looking forward to a number of years down the road with lots of great football in the Pac-12, and you're going to be a big part of it. And we thank you for being with us, sir. Thank you so much, and good luck down the road. I appreciate you having me, and look forward to meeting both of you all here really soon. Absolutely. Uh, I can imagine that, that uh, ASU, look, the, the program that Ray Anderson, Herm Edwards, Gene Boyd, uh, uh, functioning as the de facto GM uh, overseeing football, uh, they just do a tremendous job. And, and, and so I look forward to personally coming into Tempe or, or on the road and, and putting eyes on, on this group, and I'm excited to see it. Well, you have a golden invitation to join us anytime. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you. Take care now. Take care now. Merton Hanks, the Senior Associate Commissioner for Football Operations of the Pac-12. What a tremendous uh, gentleman. And it really is. He's been (laughs) a little busy lately. So the fact that he had time to join us today is something we greatly appreciate. Listen, before we get to a break, I'm going to make an executive decision here, Sean. Uh First of all, he really liked that reference to fantasy football. I don't know if you noticed that. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I heard it. He liked that. Uh He liked that. I heard it. Um, we're going to have Churston Suzell on in our next segment, but we also need to get in scores. And I've just made an executive decision here. We do need to spin the wheel of football. We've been getting emails from across the country during the week. You know, you are going to spin the wheel of football, even with all these guests you have coming on. And I I keep responding to these emails saying, yes, uh, yes, Coach Saban, we are going to spin the wheel of football. And uh, if you didn't notice, it was Coach Saban. He did email the show. Asking if we were going to spend the because I guess they don't play till tonight. In any event, that's not true. By the way, I'm just kidding around. You notice Sean's not laughing because it's not very funny. 
I was told to be quiet because we had to no, get to the commercial. I not, so no. that's what I was told. That's all I'm going to okay. Let me just get to the point. Should, uh-huh. We should let Cheerston spin the wheel. I'm all I'm all game. I'm all for it. You can still spin. We'll do two spins. Okay. Cody Cody's back in the warehouse right now, getting the wheel, and he's bringing it out. So just make sure there are enough games on there, Cody, that we can spin the wheel twice. So Cheerston Suzell from Twelve Sports uh, and an ASU alum that doesn't hurt either will join us for our press box segment as Sun Devil Saturday continues right after this on the Sun Devil Radio Network. You're listening to Sun Devil Saturday. Now back to our host, Jeff Munn and Sean Crespin. It's a good thing I had lunch before I came down here because if I was hungry, this would be a tough read. Stop on by Whataburger and try the patty melt today. It's an all-time favorite for a reason. Along with Sean Crespin, Jeff Munn, we will be joined in just a moment by 12 Sports' Cheerston Suzell. Let me duck in scores here. And a lot of, there's a lot more activity because the Big Ten started play uh, this weekend. In fact, they had a game last night that I watched for a while. Illinois Nobody told Nebraska, Munn. Nobody told Nebraska. That, and they were the ones that were screaming out loud, we want to play. <laughs> they go to Columbus and they get whacked 52-17. Would you like to rethink that, Scott Frost? In any event. Uh, here's what else we have. 9.30 go in the third quarter. 22nd ranked Marshall leads Florida Atlantic 7-6. to six. Uh, Ten and a half minutes to go first half. Second ranked Alabama leads in Knox Vegas against ten- Tennessee 14-3. to 10.35 to go first half. 17th rated Iowa State. Sixth rated Oklahoma State tied at seven. Just into the second quarter in Bloomington. Eighth rated Penn State leads at Indiana 7-3. to go in the first half. 19th rated Virginia Tech and Wake Forest are tied at 10. 12.06 to go first half. Third rated Notre Dame, and this is a conference game for them. They lead at Pittsburgh 7-3. Earlier, top-ranked Clemson uh, won at home over Syracuse 47-21. And we mentioned the Ohio State score. 14th rated North Carolina. I'll tell you what, Tar Heels, Sean, they, they, they're sneaking up on some people. Mac Brown might be knocking on the door of the playoff as this keeps going the way it's going. They beat 23rd-ranked North Carolina State today, 48-21. to There's been a lot of attention, and rightly so, on Herm Edwards uh, in his mid to late 60s coming back into, into coaching and all the success that he's had. Mac Brown's putting together a story in Chapel Hill, too. Yeah, I mean, it's a good story. It took a little bit of a hit last week at Florida State, though, 31-28, when they, when they lost last week and, and fell on the rankings a little bit. But, no, you're not wrong. That's a, that's a football team that's playing pretty well at a, at a uh, basketball school, money. A football yep. team playing pretty good. Let me duck in a couple other scores real quick. 20th-ranked Kansas State wins at home over Kansas 55-14. 25th-ranked Coastal Carolina Wins at home over Georgia Southern 28-14. One of our favorites, uh, Tristan Suzell from 12 Sports. And I say she's one of our favorites because uh, she's an incredibly hard worker. She's an ASU alum, and she is a professional in every sense of the word. That's why she's one of our favorites, and we wanted to have her on today. And I've already messed up her Saturday by moving her around in this show about three <laughs> or four times. So first of all, Tristan, thanks for being so flexible, and it's great to have you on. Jeff, Sean, thank you for having me. And, you know, uh, moving a schedule around is a normal thing in this business, so not a problem at all. I'm, I'm happy to be uh, joining you guys. Listen, uh, this is, uh, it, it, they use this phrase so often, these are unusual times, and we've talked about the impact on athletes and coaches and sports in general. 
I, I wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about the challenges that those who cover sports have had to deal with. And this has been going on for months. I mean, in, in the TV business, it had to be pretty challenging in the middle of summer when nobody was playing. So I would think that this what we're going through right now seems a lot easier than maybe what you were dealing with in July. Yeah, back in July, it was a lot of, and now you would be surprised because a lot of people back, you know, during the summer, we were in the midst of sort of the worst times and sports hadn't started back up yet. And everyone would be like, well, what do you have a job? I mean, what are you doing? Well, there were still a lot of stories to tell. And so pretty much every day, you know, I was I was telling a story, and the interesting part about you know what the uh, the Times did was it opened up you know the new way of doing interviews, which was Zoom, which meant I could I was doing interviews with I think I did interviews with people that were in five different countries that had somehow had a sports connection to Arizona. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I'm thankful that I don't have to scrape <laughs> to find stories anymore. Um, you know, we get to cover sports again. Uh, everybody's happy to have them back. Um, but, it, you know, this year has definitely been something uh, that uh, we just have had to, to roll with the punches as things progress. Yeah, you know, Tirsten, I on the radio side, whether it's my Monday through Friday gig or this one here on, on Sunday or Saturday, I just set up a connection here in my office at the house, and nobody knows the difference. It seems sounds like I'm right there with money in the studio. But with television, I can't imagine that was the case. What were some of the hurdles that you guys had to get over to even tell those stories you just talked about? Because you're right, there was a ton, whether the bubble with the NBA, what the Suns were doing, or, you know, whatever it may have been. You know, it, what, what were some of the hurdles you had to go through in order to even tell those stories, though? I think the biggest thing is just technology. It will always be technology. Um, it's 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 pretty simple to say, hey, can you can you hop on Skype? Can you hop on Zoom? Can you hop on FaceTime? Um, and so the access was actually a wonderful thing, and it still is a wonderful thing, uh, where somebody could just, uh, hey, yep, I've got ten minutes here. Uh, let me hop on a Zoom, and, and there's your TV because obviously we need we need video. So yeah. uh, in, in that regard, things were simple. But there's always you know the technology hurdles. Sound quality is not the same. The visual quality is not quite the same. Uh, and then you take out the human interaction element of of doing our job. And somebody like me who. Uh, you know, that's why I do this job. Uh, I love people. I love making connections, whether it's players, coaches, uh, colleagues. Uh, I love being out in the field and, and talking to people and developing those relationships. So you take that human interaction element out of it. And, and that's hard um, to kind of duplicate over Zoom or Skype. Churston Suzell from 12 Sports joining us on Sun Devil Saturday, along with Sean Cressman. I'm Jeff Munn. You spend a lot of time covering the high schools and they are playing and i don't know if we would say everybody's playing but enough of them are including a game that was on national tv last night every time we have you on we ask about this the quality of high school football this year especially in consideration of the circumstances better or worse than the last few years well, it's unfortunate because there there have been so many cancellations. I mean, high school football has been hit really hard with cancellations, seasons being postponed. You know, even the game last night that you were talking about, the 
uh, Hamilton Saguaro game. Saguaro, um, you know, missed their first two weeks of the season, so they're off to a late start because of COVID. Um, it's hard to really compare, although that, you know, that Hamilton Saguaro, you know, you always have the Chandler. The powerhouses are still very much the powerhouses out here in Arizona. So the quality of football, I wouldn't say, has necessarily uh, been hurt, but certainly these guys, um, you know, but. You never know. You could get to game day, and you still don't know if you're going to play. And there's been a lot of instances where a team kind of raises their hand, hey, uh, our game got canceled. Is there anybody in the area at any division that can just play us? And so these teams uh, haven't you know, had time to prepare for each other. They're going, they're going up a team who they quite literally have never, ever played. Um, so you're seeing a lot of that. Um, you know, I think these guys are just working hard because they're they're happy to be back back out on the football field. But high school football out here really has uh, been affected by by COVID. And when you're talking to these coaches and you're talking to these players, what are some of the hurdles they're dealing with in terms of the recruiting aspect? You know, at this time, you're, you're normally having scouts there live. That's not happening right now. How difficult is it to go through the normal, if that's even a thing or a word we should use at these times? But, the, you know, a, a recruiting process of any kind, what are some of the hurdles the, the, the young athletes are seeing? Well, you know, I think a lot of these athletes are still focused on just trying to, to get stuff on tape so that they can send send their footage out to um, to coaches. So, yeah, I mean, obviously you're not going to have as many, um, you know, present at the games. Uh, there are things nowadays like apps and things like that where they're able to upload their footage to that's sort of like a recruiting site where they can still get their name out. But I think we saw this happen in the spring is colleges, high schools, they got ahead um, of everything that was happening and, and, and really – uh, started to focus on all right, what what can I gather in terms of film? And we've even seen um, an increase in kind of freelancers that are out at games um, just to get footage for kids uh, to send to uh, to colleges and things like that. So it's changing. You know, there are certainly hurdles, but everybody, you know, they've had time to sort of think about okay, well, if we do have a season and it's still the same where we're not going to have, you know, coaches, recruiters, um, you know, here in person, uh, what's the next best thing? And so I think a lot of a lot of these high schools have sort of switched their gears to more, uh, you know, putting things on tape. Chairson, I don't I'm, I'm sure that you're you're very busy, so you may not be aware of a little thing that we do on the show called Wheel of Football. Uh, and if you don't, it's OK. But let me just explain. We have a a big wheel in our control room. Cody Fincher spins it. And every week we spin the wheel and whatever it has, all the college football games played at night on it. And wherever the wheel lands, the person who's in the hot seat, so to speak, has to pick the winner of that game. And we thought maybe you'd (laughs) like to participate in this. Sure. Let's give it a try. All right. Do you want to let Sean do it first so you get an idea how it works? Okay, yeah, let's let's have Sean. Do Cody, it. have you got okay. the wheel ready to go? It's ready. All let's right, go it. ahead and spin the wheel the first time, and we don't know where this is going to land, but wherever it does, Sean has to pick the winner of a game being played tonight. Well, you really oiled that thing really well this week, Cody. Cody. My goodness, yeah, I don't mess around. You know what I'm saying? 
Sean, mm-hmm. Cincinnati at SMU. Cincinnati and SMU. Is it, is it from my childhood? It's good to see SMU back in the in the top twenty five where they're at, right? Your money with with everything. Oh, yeah. that program is absolutely. Had to deal with. Uh, Cincinnati, in my opinion, is a better football team. That that sh- I, I don't even think that's arguable. So since we're not going against any kind of spread or anything, and I think it's no, only, we don't advocate that. Yeah, no. so I mean, we're just going to go with Cincinnati, number nine versus number sixteen. Heck of a game tonight, but give me Cincinnati over SMU. All right. So now, Churston, you see how this works. And you're ready. Got you're, it. Okay. Cody, uh, go ahead and take Cincinnati SMU off the wheel and re-spin the wheel. Wow, you did that quick. Wow. Cheerson, we get emails from all over the country asking for the wheel to make appearances, and it, it just we just can't do it. It's exclusive to the show. Where did it land, Cody? Okay, hold on. <laughs> it landed on Michigan at Minnesota. Now, hang on a minute. I got to explain something here just because it landed there. Chirsten, you worked in Ohio at one time, if I remember correctly. Uh, well, I actually didn't work there. I grew up there. Oh, that's I right. Okay, Ohio. that's right. You grew up in Ohio. I knew Ohio had a connection in there. So if you don't pick Michigan, I certainly understand. <laughs> Um, well, you know, I actually am going to pick Michigan, not my favorite team on the planet. Um, but I think they have the advantage in this one. They're, well, it's going up against two top 25 teams. So I think it's going to be a a pretty good matchup, but I'm just going to go ahead and and take, I'll throw you a curveball. You think I wouldn't take Michigan, but I got the Wolverines in this one. All right. That's, and by the way, have you guys seen what the kickoff temperature is going to be tonight in Minneapolis? 30, 32. Wow. Welcome welcome to football. Winter. That's yeah. a nice way to debut. It's a night game in Minneapolis, 32 degrees. Cheriston, you're a great. a nice game to watch on TV. You got that right. <laughs> in Arizona, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Cheriston, I, I really appreciate this. You're a great sport. To, we kind of sprung that on you at the last second, and I really appreciate it. All the best to you, to Cameron, and everybody at 12 Sports. No, it's been a challenging time. You guys have handled it like real pros, and I know you'll continue to do so. And and you've got the you look, just like Merton Hanks, you've got the golden invitation to come on this show anytime. I appreciate that so much, Jeff. Sean, thanks for having me. You bet. Hey, thanks so much, Cheerston. Cheerston Suzell from Twelve Sports, and uh, and an ASU alum, which never hurts. And uh, mark that down. Sean took Cincinnati. Cheerston is picking Michigan. We won't I'm tell anybody this, in her home state of Ohio. What? I'm one and zero in this, by the way. I, 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 That's I, right, I, and you I, were yep. quick to point that out last I, week. I, I sure was. I texted you guys as soon as the game was over. That's right, I, and I said doing? if I were you, I'd retire. They'd probably build a statue <laughs> for you right then and there. It was Georgia, Alabama. I said roll tide, give me Alabama. So I'm one and zero right now. So let's go Cincinnati. Make it two and zero this week. Now I'm working tonight. If <laughs> please don't text. Oh, me you're going to get a text. Yeah, oh, you're gonna thank text. you, thank yeah. you. That's well. I'll just put the phone on silent. Mm-hmm. I will respond at some point, though. Listen, speaking of great games, ASU-Oregon, what a classic last year. We're going to relive it with Sean, the voice of the Sun Devils, Tim Healy, and Jeff Van Raphorst. We come back with more of Sun Devil Saturday right after this on the Sun Devil Radio Network. You're listening to Sun Devil Saturday. Now back to our host, Jeff Munn and Sean Crespin. Last night, Arizona State's nationally ranked wrestling team took down number one ranked and defending national champion Penn State, ending the Nittany Lions' 60 dual meet win streak. Tonight, ASU's football team will take its shot at being a giant killer as the Sun Devils get set to take on the sixth ranked Oregon Ducks in Arizona State's 2019 homecoming game. 
The voice of the Sun Devils, Tim Healy, leading us into a magical night last November 23rd. Let's remind you, first of all, that this segment of Sun Devil Saturday is presented by your Arizona Ford dealers by FordNow.com, along with Sean Crespin, Jeff Munn, Tim Healy joins us. We'll be joined momentarily by Jeff Van Raphorst. And I was mentioning this earlier, Tim, uh, there are whenever there's a big game, if you're not at the game, you always say to yourself, "Gee, I wish I could be there." And I, I, that night it was it felt so electric just watching it on television. And I it, we'll get into the details of the game in a moment, but just the over, the overview of it, it had to be just from the beginning. You could feel the electricity in in Sun Devil Stadium that night. Indeed, money. You know the uh, <clears throat> the bright lights of uh, ESPN and ABC were there. In fact, uh, they had their A number one crew, uh, Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit, were calling the game on national television. It had a bit of an unusual start time. It was a five forty five, I think, kickoff five thirty five forty five. Uh, I forget exactly. Uh, actually, according to the game book, now kickoff five forty four. PM, but uh, uh, the stadium was filled. A lot of Oregon fans traveled. Uh, it was just an electric atmosphere. Interesting that it was, given the fact that if you'll recall, the Sun Devils entered that game in the throes of a four-game losing streak. After they got off to a five-and-one start uh, in succession, you know they suffered, uh, uh, you know four, you know four consecutive losses to. UCLA, USC, and a one-point loss at Oregon State the week prior. And uh, and here they are going up against the number six team in the country. And I think also adding to the weekend, it's interesting you played that clip of our setup of the game because if you think back, Jeff, that weekend, I think I tweeted something to the effect that it almost became what I would have called one of the great sports weekends in Arizona State history because Zeke Jones' wrestling squad took down number one ranked and defending national champion Penn State in a thrilling mad, uh, match the night before at uh, Desert Financial Arena. Then came the win over Oregon, and you were with the basketball team, the Sun Devil men's basketball team, playing in a tournament back in Connecticut. And on that uh, Oregon football Saturday, ASU defeated St. John's Mm -hmm. in the semifinals of that tournament. And the next day, they came oh so close to knocking off the defending national champion, Virginia Cavaliers. And had they done so, I would have really had to look hard and long to figure out a, a better ASU sports weekend in the recent history of the program. So I think you add all that stuff to the mix, and the result was, as you indicated, just an electric feeling uh, in the air that evening in Tempe. And then after falling behind early in that game, seven to nothing, the Devils stormed back. Uh, Oregon had a great late rally in the fourth quarter. They scored three touchdowns in the last seven and a half minutes of the game to really make things interesting, but the Sun Devils were able to hold on and win. Well, let me get into the first of our highlights, and then uh, I know Sean wants to jump in on this because he was obviously there uh, as the engineer of the broadcast. You mentioned early on it was kind of a back-and-forth game, and ASU's first score came courtesy of a touchdown pass from Jaden Daniels to Frank Darby. And now here's Daniels rolling right, wanting to throw deep. Now will throw deep. He's got Darby open. Frank makes the catch, and he's in for a touchdown. Frank Darby in stride. Jaden Daniels with a strike to Darby for a 57-yard touchdown. 
That you know, started the evening, didn't it, Sean? It sure did. You know, money. And, and whenever you tell me which game we're gonna we're gonna reminisce about, I always go back and watch watch the game again and listen to some of our calls. And you know, the Sun Devils are gonna rely on Darby so much this year as the veteran in that wide receiver room. And and this game, you really got an example of who he might be able to be. It wasn't just the deep balls over the top, which I know a lot of people focus on, but he had another you know big play that almost looked very Nikhil Harry like in the second quarter, Tim, that you might remember, where he catches just a quick little little hook and then takes it across the field and sets up another Sun Devil score and uh, he really looked like a receiver that can be that number one option when his time comes and we're going to get that we're going to get that look this year. Indeed we are Sean and you know um, I think the signature play of that game and we may you know reminisce about that highlight later was the uh, 82 yard bomb or 81 yard bomb to Brandon Ayuk yep. that kind of iced the ball game in the fourth quarter and Ayuk had a huge game that night seven catches for 161 yards and that uh, gigantic game-clinching touchdown. But I really thought Frank Darby was uh, maybe the star of that game. He caught four passes, 125 yards. He later had a 26-yard touchdown pass in the fourth quarter from Jaden. And, uh, you know, Frank finished the season really, really strong last year. Uh, He caught seven touchdowns in the last uh, six games of the season, and he was virtually blanked, as I recall, in the Sun Bowl. So really, if you take that to the last five games of the regular season, he had uh, seven touchdown receptions and just came up huge. And he's always been a great deep threat and I think this year, I think we'll see him rise to the occasion of being the team's lead receiver. And yeah, I'm looking for a season where Frank is a good, solid four to six catch game every game. And with his ability, you know, a lot of those will be for big chunk plays and uh, hopefully touchdowns for the Devils. Well, we're joined now by uh, Jeff Van Raphorst, a Sun Devil radio analyst, Rose Bowl winning quarterback, and obviously alongside Tim that night for the game against Oregon. Rapper, I w- I've been talking with Tim and Sean that that was one of those games. Some games, the uh, the electricity builds. That game that night, I guess it was a lot like the 96 game against Nebraska. Right from the get-go, the intensity was at white-hot levels that night. I mean, I was watching it on television 3,000 miles away, and I could feel it, and I can imagine that you noticed it right away, too. Yeah, I think everybody really wanted that game. And, you know, I think there's it was such a tale of two different programs, right? You know, a new program out of Coach Edwards and, and a hot Oregon team. Um, you know, they have a potential first-round draft pick quarterback and Justin Herbert, and ASU's got, you know, a young kid. And it was it was exciting from right from the jump, like you mentioned. Let's. Uh, I'm, what I'm going to do here is we're going to jump ahead a little bit. Tim mentioned that the game, and Sean pointed this out as well, ASU's in control into the fourth quarter. Then there is an Oregon rally that starts to make people a little bit nervous. One play kind of put the, the whole thing on ice, so to speak. It was an 81-yard play. Here is how Tim called it with Rapper at, late in the fourth quarter. Those are mostly the Oregon fans you're hearing on this third down and 16, and Daniels is going to throw deep. He's got Ayuk. He makes the catch. Ayuk at the 30, at the 20, at the 10, at the 5. Touchdown, Devils! An 81-yard catch and run. Jaden Daniels to Brandon Ayuk. 
And at that point, uh, Sean, you tell me, did it feel a little bit more comfortable after you know, that? It didn't, Rapper. I'm curious of your of your thoughts about that play because when you get punched in the mouth like they did in the fourth quarter, I mean, it was 24-7 with eight minutes left, and Oregon scores back-to-back. It's 24-21. It's then third and 16 in your own end. And you got a you got a freshman quarterback. <laughs> I felt he grew up on that play. I mean, that was a big moment and uh, great route by Uke on the double move, and Daniels dropped it right in there. But I thought that was a big time play by a young quarterback. No, I mean he he played that whole game was great. I mean, every time we needed him to make a play, you know, and, and you, Sean, you never want to have to rely on a young guy, right? I mean, yeah, the whole idea would be to. You know, use Eno Benjamin, get out in front, pound the run game, and, and protect your quarterback. Don't don't make him, you know, go into that situation. But every time, whether, you know, it was the Michigan State game, the scramble that he had in the fourth quarter, whether that's that big throw against Oregon, you know, you can just say all you want about this kid being young, but Jaden Daniels has, has really been a special quarterback from day one when he got on campus. And I think a lot of that speaks to the fact that he started every game in high school. So, Yes, he's a young quarterback in college, but he's got a lot under his belt, and, and boy, he just made huge plays. You know, the flip side is it's so fun to listen to those um, clips when we're on the on the positive side. Imagine if you're the Oregon team. <laughs> hey, we're coming back. Things are great. Third and 16, freshman quarterback. You know, there's no way they're going to go deep. They're just going to try to chunk it and punt it, and, and then you give up a big play. I mean, how just absolutely demoralizing was that to the Ducks? Oh, the whole thing was was demoralizing. I'll tell a little story as we go to break here, and Tim and Rapper are going to stay with us for our next segment. I, I, we were in Connecticut get, doing uh, in-between men's basketball games, and a group of us, uh, Kyle Dodd, a uh, number of people from the men's basketball program, and one of our administrators, I don't want to give away names because I don't think he'd appreciate me t- mentioning his name, but we were all sitting watching the end of the game, and I turned to this administrator, and I said, you know, we just messed things up completely for the Pac-12 with the playoff. And he looked at me with a smile and said, that's not our problem. And I, he was right. And it just was a, a magical night all the way around. And if and listen, Oregon fans, if you're mad at us for knocking out of the playoff, why didn't you beat Auburn in, in the opener? Okay? Then you can just deal with that. Uh, we'll take a break. I'll take some complaints from Oregon fans during the commercial break. We'll come back and we'll talk about playing in front of no fans. What kind of a challenge will that be? That's next on Sun Devil Saturday here on the Sun Devil Radio Network.